Morning, everyone. Good to be together. What a great day, isn't it? Oh, yes, very good. Very good. (laughs) What a great song that last one was. What an even greater name, the name of Jesus. I just, uh, I thought that was amazing. He is an amazing saviour. So, um, if you're just joining us, we have uh, been following the Bible account in the book of Exodus of how God rescued his people, the Israelites, from slavery in Egypt. And we've seen how under the leadership of Moses, the Israelites have come out of Egypt, they've come out of slavery, they've come through the Red Sea, but we realize that life is still not all plain sailing. <clears throat> Excuse me. So as well as fighting actual battles, there's the challenge of looking after this great people. There's the challenge of food and water and so on. And so while they're camped in the desert, what we're going to look at this morning is Moses who gets a visit from his family. Moses gets a visit from his father-in-law Jethro who returns to Moses, his wife and his two children. And Moses receives them with honor. He shares all that God has been doing. This amazing story of God's deliverance. And they worship together. What a great reunion for them all. And it's all going swimmingly well. So we're going to pick up the story in Genesis, uh, sorry, in Exodus 18 and in verse 13. The next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? Moses replied, because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. When a dispute arises, they come to me, and I'm the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. This is not good, Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. You're going to wear yourself out, and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me, and let me give you a word of advice, and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees, give them his instructions, show them how to conduct their lives. But select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of a thousand, one hundred, fifty, ten. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you'll be able to endure the pressures and all these people will go home in peace. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestions. I want this morning just to share four simple reflections on lessons for leadership. Three of them from this passage and one 
extra. And I'm going to pose some questions that I want to leave with you this morning. I think uh, when God speaks in the Bible, I think it always poses questions for us, doesn't it? Questions that we can allow the Spirit to apply to our hearts. So, my first reflection is this. It takes more than the man. It takes more than the man. Let's just think about Moses for a minute. Moses was brought up and educated in Pharaoh's house. In the ways of Egypt, in the culture of Egypt. He was a prince of Egypt. Brought up to rule, to govern, to be somebody. Then, as an adult, he realizes that by birth, he's actually an Israelite. And he intervenes for one of his Israelite brothers and ends up killing a man, an Egyptian. And when he realizes that what he's done is known, he legs it. And he runs to the wilderness where he spent 40 years looking after sheep. Don't despise obscurity. We live in a celebrity age, but God honors obscurity. Much of Jesus' life is obscure to us. Do you ever think about that? We know how he was born. We know a bit about his childhood. Then he appears at 30-odd. Obscurity. God works in obscurity. Fran recently spoke uh, if you haven't heard it, go to our YouTube channel on a, a title of Obey Your Thirst about the desert. The desert places that God can often lead us to, where he can work on our hearts. So, Moses ends up there, and all the while God is retraining him. I don't think he removed all of the, his Egyptian training. He learned a lot that was useful. But God is growing his character and changing his heart, preparing him. And when God finally calls him from the burning bush, Moses is a changed man. Now, he's a reluctant leader. He's not the cocky prince of Egypt who thought he was born to rule. Now, he's no longer sure that he can do what God is asking him to do. God has changed his heart. And God's often prepared to wait a long time to do what he wants to do in our hearts, isn't he? Helping us realize and embrace our own limitations and our need of him. How often in the Bible and in our experience does God take his time in preparing the people he calls? I first felt a call, the inklings of a call to do what I'm doing now when I was in my late teenage years. And uh, when I went to university and got caught up in a move of the spirit in my 20s, I thought, this is it. It's all going to happen. It didn't. <laughs> in actual fact, it was in my late 50s that it finally happened. After years of experience leading in church while I worked in industry, after bringing up a family, after experiencing the, uh, the fire of church meltdown and walking through my own desert challenges of faith. But I can honestly tell you that if God had done that when I thought it was going to happen, it would have been a disaster. A disaster. I wasn't ready. When God's timing comes, 
we are in the right place. We live in an instant world, don't we? How quickly can we log on? How quickly can we download? Everything has to happen now. I would urge you, don't make the mistake of hearing a call from God and assuming that everything is now. We live in a, if I may say so, a youth-obsessed world. If it hasn't happened by the time you're 21, it's all over. <laughs> Let me tell you, that's not true. <laughs> yes, God uses young women and young men amazingly. And God does do things instantly. Jesus did lots. But he also prepares men and women thoroughly in gift and in character. No matter how long it takes. And some of us, and that would be me, are slow to learn. I had lots of time having to stay behind after lessons in God's school to make sure I got it. When we're ready, God opened the door. If you're in God's training program right now, I want to encourage you this morning. Don't despair. Don't give up. If the things you felt God has said to you seem a long way off, don't give up. Submit yourself to hardship. Embrace struggles, even obscurity. It will bear fruit in you and make you more ready to serve God. Now, I know we're not going to get a rush to the front to sign up for that. But I've got to tell you, that is how God often works. So a remodeled Moses confronts the most powerful man in the world, Pharaoh, speaks God's messages to him, and he leads Israel through the plagues, out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, witnesses the destruction of their enemies, and worships on the other side. Wow. He is the man. Moses is the leader who's gifted, he's trained, he has a track record to die for. He is the man, but it's not enough. He needs something else because it takes more than the man. It takes community or family. It takes humility. The thing that Moses needs in this particular instance is the advice of his father-in-law. Who knew? His father-in-law effectively says to him, you may be the man, but you're being pretty stupid, Moses. <laughs> Even you, the great Moses, who's done all this, you can't do it all. And I don't think he says this, but let me add this spoiler alert. One day you won't be here to do it. And that's true for all of us. Now, if you lead in any capacity... And I want to encourage you this morning that we actually all lead in more ways than we think. At home, with our families, in our employment, in the church, in charity work, in our communities and neighborhood. We can be leaders. And let's hear this message. We can't do it on our own. Jethro's advice is on one level just pretty much common sense, isn't it? I mean, it's not exactly a revelation. <laughs> When, Moses said, when he says to Moses, actually, you're going to kill yourself doing this. It's a recognition that we need to have teams, things broken down into smaller units. But this whole idea, we actually see uh, develop much more in the New Testament. When Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he talks about the church as a body, the body of Christ. 
It's a, even richer. It's not just administrative. This is the body of Christ, a living, organic entity of people of different gifts and calling, working together for a common aim. We need each other, the Bible says. And we need others in our family, our church family, who can point out what we can't or sometimes won't see. Moses, despite being a great leader, a man of vision with a track record, he cannot see that he's heading for disaster unless he changes something. Actually, when I reflected on it, in his reply to Jethro, there's quite a lot of me and I. Listen to it. Moses replied when he was asked, what are you doing? Because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. When a dispute arises, where do they go? They come to me. I am the one who settles the case between quarreling parties. I inform. Are you getting a sort of a a gut feel for this here? (laughs) I think Moses is, is an amazing man. But I think he's losing the plot here. It takes his father-in-law to see it, point it out, and propose a solution. But here's the wonderful thing. The good news in this story is that the leader who spent 40 years in the wilderness is humble enough to listen. That's amazing. Moses is 80 years old at this stage. Not a grumpy old man. No room for grumpy old men here. He's still prepared to listen to what his father-in-law says. He's still prepared to respond. And his response is refreshingly simple. It comes in just one verse, verse 24 at the end. And it just says this. Moses listened to his father-in-law, listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestions. How refreshing is that? He didn't set up a committee to explore this new idea. He didn't go around and share with a few people to see what they thought of it. Moses just listened and he did what his father-in-law said. Let's hear it for father-in-laws, eh? Isn't that great? (laughs) This is a great illustration of the value of community and humility. And good leaders get this. Good leaders get this. We still need godly and spirit-anointed leaders. Of course we do. They still needed Moses. But those leaders can't do everything. None of us do. We need each other. So, how about you? Wherever you lead. How are you doing? Is your life out of kilter? Is your work... Is the church, is your hobby, is your whatever taking over your life? Are you too invested in it to the cost of your family or your own well-being? Are there things in your life that are impacting you and those close to you? Maybe stopping you being a train instead of a car. And if you want to know what that means, look back on YouTube to James Brett's Preach. You see, we all need others around us to talk about what they see and to bring it to our attention. And we need to be humble enough to listen and to consider what they say and to discern what God is saying in it. This is just one of the reasons why we need connection. 
We need to be connected. Don't be disconnected. It's a dangerous place to be. Who do you have? Here's a question. Who do you have in your life who could ask you the sort of questions that Jethro asked his son-in-law, Moses? If you don't have someone, I urge you, find someone. If you are sort of vaguely, maybe, I urge you, be intentional about it. And I'm not just talking about your spouse, if you have one. You need someone outside. Here are the sort of questions that we need to hear, that we need to have someone who can say. They're tough questions, aren't they? What are you really accomplishing here? <laughs> Why are you trying to do all this alone? This is not good, or as one version puts it, what you are doing is not good. Have you got somebody who could say that to you? What you're doing is not good. You're going to wear yourself out and all the people too. That's not a badge of pride. That's a bad thing. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Well, I won't labor the point. I encourage you, have someone in your life who doesn't just talk about the football or the weather or fashion or whatever. Have someone in your life who talks about what God is doing in your life or where he is for you. We need to be in community, in real relationship, which is more than just being here this morning. And we need to be humble to listen and take advice. Thirdly, it takes different sorts of leaders. It takes different sorts of leaders. The context and the culture here in Moses' time is that it's men. But the New Testament makes it very clear that both men and women have leading roles in the church, in the New Testament, and today. And there are many types of leaders with different capacities. Let's go back to the picture of the body that I touched on, Paul's picture of the body. Different parts do different things. Different of us are made differently. Some of us are strong. Some of us are not so strong. Some of us are whatever. You get the picture. The key, as always, in, this, in what, what Jethro suggested is more character than gift. If we look at the qualifications, Jethro's advice was to select from all the people able men, God-fearing, trustworthy, and hating dishonest prophet. Able people, men and women. They had a skill. You don't want to ask somebody to do something, you can't do it. That's not going to work, is it? You need a measure of skill. But look at the next ones. The next three are all character, honesty, God-fearing, integrity. That's the balance of skills and character. You can teach people skills. It takes longer to work character in them. It's not about education, background, privilege, money, or whatever. It's actually about the heart as well. And then Jethro encourages Moses to consider capacity. Place them over people as commanders of a thousand, of a hundred, of fifty, of ten. We don't just need big platform people. We need people who look after smaller bunches of people. We need all sorts of things. Looking after your family, they want maybe just a few people. 
looking after your neighbors. We need all sorts of people. We have different capacities, like clay pots. We're described in the Bible, aren't we, as clay pots filled with Jesus, filled with God. And, you know, pots have different capacities. Is it there? That's it. Great. Pots have different capacities. The church is not meant to be like a well-stocked potting shed where we have every size of pot you could think of, every shape you can think of. No, the church is meant to be a place where every pot of different size or shape is actually being put to the purpose it was made for. That's what it's meant to be. We are different. We have different gifts. We have different capacities. We should rejoice in that diversity and seek to use it. And everybody has their place, and it's only in community and in connection we find that place. You won't find it sitting out there on your own thinking about it. You'll find it among the community. Romans 12 verse 3, we're encouraged that no one should think more highly of himself than he ought to. How do you get a good measure of yourself? In community, in relationship. I often feel sorry for, for some of the people on these talent shows. I don't know if you watch them. You watch these talent shows and you see somebody who comes on and basically they don't have any talent. And I cringe. I, oh no, they're going to make a complete idiot of themselves. And do you know what my response is? Haven't they got any friends? <laughs> Haven't they got any friends? Haven't they got a mate who could come up alongside them and say, let me tell you something, mate, sounded great in the bathroom when I heard through the door, but you can't sing. Don't do it. It appears some of them don't have any friends. And my heart goes out to them. We learn a measure of ourselves in community, in family. And the other thing is that Moses' obedience to what God said to him through Jethro resulted in lots more leaders. Leaders replicate. More leaders. It's every leader's responsibility to train up the next generation to replace them when they're gone. And let me say for the second time this morning, I know some of you are young and beautiful or what, and some of us are older, but there will come a day when we will be gone. And we need to prepare the way. We all have a use-by date that is known only to God. And we need to think about the next generation. Charles Colson was a senior American political figure. Some of you might know was caught up in scandal, ended up in prison, and came to faith. And he talked about the need to raise up the next generation. You know, Fran and I, one of our great joys uh, in church life is seeing people coming into their gifting. Seeing people coming into what they were made to do. Growing into, into a, something new area. We've seen that a lot. It's been amazing. We've seen it only recently. People leading in connect groups who have perhaps not led anything before and before that in sign-up groups. We hear of people taking a lead in their community with their neighbours. I had a moving moment the other night when I was, uh, we were 
locking up after Alpha. And I was just so struck as we were closing up the doors that the people in the team who were making Alpha work, some of them themselves walked through those doors four years ago onto Alpha and they didn't know Jesus. And now they're on the team and they're sharing others. They're making it happen for others. That's a joy. That's a great joy. We need people to leave. This church only works when people play their part. So I'd ask you this morning, where do you lead? Where could you lead? I want to finish just by one other point. This doesn't come from this passage. Because I think it's important to point out there's a significant difference between the time that we were reading about this morning and today. We have an amazing advantage. We really, really do. Exodus 33 tells us that the Lord would speak with Moses face to face, just as a man speaks with his friend. Moses had an intimate relationship with God. But we read in Psalm 103 that it wasn't the case for everyone. It says, God revealed his ways to Moses, but his deeds to the people of Israel. Moses got to talk about the way God did things with God. The people just saw what God, what God did, what happened. But now, amazingly, we as Christians here this morning, we all have the spirit of God. And while we still need leaders, you and I can hear the voice of God for ourselves. You and I can have that intimacy with God for ourselves. Jeremiah prophesied it. He said this, or he declared that God is saying this. For this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration, for I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sins. Haven't we been celebrating that this morning? We are, we are here. <laughs> Iniquities forgiven, sins taken care of, brought back into fellowship with God. We're called to the same intimacy that Moses had with God. That's both, I think, exciting and amazing and challenging. Do you speak with God as a man speaks with his friend? That's what he wants. Again, we've heard that this morning. God is longing for intimacy with us. Not just here, on the way, on the way home, in the park, playing with the kids, whatever you're doing. God wants intimacy with his people. He wants us to learn his ways, not just admire what he does. <laughs> and have no understanding. You see, the Israelites had to change their slavery mindset. Don't forget they've been slaves in Egypt. Their, their life was sorted out for them. They did what they were told. They followed what their masters actually said, or woe betide them. 
But now they're out of Egypt and they're free to make choices. And they're having to learn how to be a grace-filled community together. I'd suggest to you we are still in that process ourselves. We don't have to be dependent upon leaders to tell us everything to do. The job of leaders is to teach us about God's ways so that we can walk in his ways. And if lockdown has shown us anything, it's shown us that we need to take responsibility for ourselves. Yes, we still need leaders, people who can guide us in God's ways, but we have, you have, I have the spirit of God living within us. Amazing. That's an amazing truth this morning. I want to say to you, if you're here this morning and you don't know God in that way, God is seeking you out. God wants, he knows you already, but he wants intimacy with you. He wants to share a life with you. And as we heard, he, it, it's a wonderful thing. There's no darkness in God. There's nothing to fear in him. He's a wonderful, wonderful father. He is good to his people and he wants to be intimate with us. So let me end with a reminder. It takes more than one anointed leader. It takes a church family and it takes humility. And that means we all have a part to play out of the character, the gifts and the capacity that God has given us. We are clay pots look around different shapes changing shapes in some of us <laughs> different sizes but we are God's pots that he wants to show his glory in not to sit in a shed but to show forth what he has put in us to a hungry and a thirsty world where we want to be a church where everyone, every pot is doing what it was made for. That means you. So I ask you this morning, I want to leave you with these questions. Have you heard God's call to intimacy and friendship out of which comes the life that he wants you to have? That's, that's the primary thing. That's the thing. Leadership is something that comes out of that, not something that you do first. God wants us to walk intimately and in a friendship way with him. If you don't know God this morning, he is calling you because he wants you to have that. And you can know him today. Maybe you do. Well, are you taking responsibility for your walk with God? Sorry to be so rude and direct, but I've got to go. Have you embraced your limitations? God gave them to you, you know. None of us is Superman or woman. Have you embraced your limitations? Have you got a measure of your gift of the work that God has done in your life? Have you got good and meaningful connection in the family of God with someone who can ask you the hard questions? And are you humble enough to listen and to take advice. I'm going to hand back to Luke now, who's going to lead us. But just I ask you for a moment to pause and reflect. Probably one of those questions might have landed a little bit with you. Just ask the Holy Spirit 
to highlight in your heart what he wants to say to you this morning. And I encourage you to respond, to talk with him like you would a friend. God bless you.